This is my friend's place in the BGOT LP gain zone.
song is mile marker 29 and it features a legendary rem drummer bill berry and in my opinion sounds very much like uh, some really good rem back in the day uh, when they were kind of the dominant alternative band of the 90s into the 2000s and before that new music throughout that block uh, first new music from jw francis going home to a party uh, then it was frankie rose with anything after that you had Object of My Affection, that song is Half-Life, and then it was Eyelids, Colossal Waste of Light, and there you go, you're caught up to everything you've heard uh, this week here on My Friend's Place. So today, we're uh, right at the beginning of 2023, so it seems appropriate that we'll do our 2022 Favorite Movies Countdown, so I've organized them 
into a convenient to tell you about list. And we're going to start off with things that didn't quite make my top 12, um, but could have, because let's be honest, rankings are kind of arbitrary. I haven't seen all the movies that I even want to see from 2022 yet. Um, my list depends kind of on the mood that I'm in and whatever day it is. Uh, so it's kind of silly, but ultimately I guess my goal would be that um, maybe you hear something being reviewed uh, that if you like listening to the music on this show, you might find a movie that you haven't heard of or maybe a movie you were thinking about watching but weren't really sure. Maybe after listening to this, you will... Uh, Decide to give it a go. So first, um, before we get into my arbitrary top 12, you have a real quick rundown of the movies that just barely missed it. And first up, you had Crimes of the Future, which is David Cronenberg's uh, newest movie about sex, of course, and evolution and art. Uh, really weird movie. Definitely worth checking out, though, if you're into Cronenberg. Uh, then another futuristic movie, After Yang, about a family with a human child and a robot older brother, and the robot older brother uh, becomes uh, non-functional. Uh, then it was two movies from Ty West, um, released in the same year. One is X, which takes place in the 1970s, and is very much like a homage to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Grindhouse movies, and 70s adult movies. And then, just a couple of months after that, he released a prequel to that movie, which is Pearl, set in the 1930s, early 1930s, and instead of focusing on 70s movies, uh, this is really about like the beginning of um, Hollywood, like in the 40s and the 50s, and in particular, it's a um, kind of an unofficial remake of Wizard of Oz. Then, also my honorable mention, was you had Black Phone, which is a Stephen King-style um, horror movie that uh, was actually written, the book, that's based on was written by his son. Uh, after that, you had uh, Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave, which is kind of a takeoff on a Hitchcock thriller. Um, it's also really, really funny and uh, really, really cool. Got a beautiful cinematography as it's set in uh, South Korea, and it looks amazing. Uh, then one couple that actually I saw after... 2022 if you want to be uh, really really strict about it uh, first is the innocence which is a movie from uh, Norway I believe it's from Norway anyway it's another movie that's kind of like a Stephen King movie where you have these kids that discover these really weird powers and then of course things go really really out of control uh, then another movie that I just saw two days ago it's the menu which is streaming on HBO, it's, which is why I finally got a chance to see it. Uh, it is a movie about these really rich people going to this exclusive culinary event on an island, and things go horribly wrong, which seems to be a trend of all my honorable mention movies. And uh, finally, the one that came closest to cracking my top uh, 12 is The Northman, Robert Eggers' uh, revenge Viking movie, and that, to me... Uh, it's almost a direct or indirect sequel to one of my favorite movies of all time, Conan the Barbarian, except instead of a barbarian, he's a Viking. And there you go. That's my honorable mention. So let's dive a little bit deeper in my, 12, my number 12, number 11, and number 10 movie. And first in my top 12 is Smile. Now, Smile borrows from some of my favorite horror movies of all time, and it's uh, not really shy about that. 
um, but it did it really well and with a lot of style and is super well made. Um, so the movies that it borrowed from are recent movies like The Ring and also Drag Me to Hell and It Follows, which are basically all movies about being cursed and how that curse follows around you, or follows you around rather. It stars uh, Sosie Bacon, who I had no idea at the time, is the daughter of Kevin Bacon. So that was kind of interesting. And it comes uh, from a first-time director, Parker Finn, who is going to have uh, a pretty amazing career, uh, considering the fact how great his very first movie is. Um, one of the best horror movies of the year. And also uh, streamable right now, if you have uh, the Paramount Network, which I have a feeling a lot of people don't. But if you do, it's up and on there. Ah, then the next movie, number 11 in my top 12 movie, you got to talk about Elvis. And one word for Elvis is Boz. And by Boz, I'm talking about the director, Boz Lerman, who's well known as for his like really wild visual movies like Moulin Rouge and his version of um, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And this movie fits very well in that style. Then on top of the amazing director, you have Austin uh, Butler playing Elvis, and he was absolutely worth the price of admission alone. Um, and like I said, all the movies on my list, uh, one of the things they usually have in common is just how great they look and how artistic and visually compelling they are. But Elvis would be probably like in the top three in that category. And of course you have all the Elvis songs, which love Elvis, Tolerate Elvis or somewhere in between, they're all pretty much fun and you know a lot of the lyrics just because you've heard them so many times through the years. And actually the best performance in the Elvis movie was the guy that played Little Richard um, doing the Little Richard performance. That was an, one of my favorite performances of the year um, for that particular song. So Elvis is available to stream on HBO and in fact watched a part of it this morning um, before I recorded this show. Then uh, the last song I'm going to do um, during this segment, or last song, last movie, rather. Uh, number 10, a movie that I just also didn't see very long ago, kind of really at the end of 2022. It's called Fire of Love, and it is the first and only documentary on my list this uh, year. And speaking of visually compelling movies, like uh, a second ago with Elvis, um, this documentary is about two French uh, volcanologist in love named Katia and Maurice Kraft. And of all the movies I saw this year, it might be the very best just from a pure uh, visual standpoint. Now, after seeing this movie, I am amazed that I never really heard of these, these two scientists. Um, and I'm certain that there's going to be like a narrative, like a, a movie that comes out that's not a documentary um, about their... Um, love affair and about their um, chasing adventures across the world and it is a they are really two interesting compelling people um, for being scientists um, the other thing you really have in this movie is from the very beginning of their research studying volcanoes they take an amazing amount of footage and all the footage has managed to be really well preserved and there's nothing cooler than kind of sitting back and watching like uh, lava slowly flowing down the side of a volcano or the explosions and all those things. So this is a really fun movie to, to watch 
um, just from like the actual footage that they shot. Um, going all the way back to the 60s. And so they got uh, footage from the 60s up until the 90s. And one of the reasons I first got really interested in seeing this documentary is because like I saw the trailer and the trailer looks like a Wes Anderson movie. And Wes Anderson is, you know, if not my favorite director, top top three, top five, somewhere in there. And he's well known for his visual style and picking out these like really odd, quirky characters that are, are fun to watch and follow. And these real life people, Katia and Maurice Kraft, are extremely um, quirky in their love of volcanoes and not so much uh, love of humanity. And they are really interesting to watch um, through this movie. So check that one out. You can find that one streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. So music-wise, got a couple songs from uh, Fire Love and one song from the Elvis soundtrack. And first up, as we get back into music from the Fire Love soundtrack, you're going to hear one from one of the all-time great ambient, electronic, just great musicians. It's Brian Eno, The Big Ship, I uh, heard on the Fire of Love soundtrack.
plastic bottled skins, heads down, steer clear. It's like the last five years. Shed signing fake farewells. People have never spoken to. Eggshell tumbling swell 
Cloud. 
Rounding out that set, you heard Frankie Cosmos with Empty Head, and you're listening to My Friend's Place on WGOTLP Gainesville. Before that, let things off with a song from uh, one of my favorite movies of the year, Fire Love. You heard Brian Eno with The Big Ship. Then it was another uh, movie from that soundtrack, Nicholas Godin with Alger LeBlanc. Uh, then, kind of keeping that uh, songs from my favorite movies this year, uh, from Elvis. You heard Elvis Presley. My Way, recorded live in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, 1973. And after that, we just got back to what we normally do here on My Friends Plays, which is play a lot of new indie and alternative music. Uh, so you heard one from Vic Ruggiero, Everyday Things. Then it was Nag with Repulsion. After that, you had David Brewis, The Last Day. And then it was Jen Cloer with uh, Mana Tetakapui. I'm sure I messed that last part up, but um, that's not very unusual at all if you listen to My Friend's Place on the regular. So um, if you're just now joining in on the radio, I'm counting down my favorite movies of the year. So it kind of started out with um, Near Misses at the top of the show and then did 12, 11, 10, which, if we can count, puts us at number 9, and it is... Banshees of Incheron, which when I was looking at the previews and the advertisements for the movie, I was not very interested at all about this movie. And as I sat down to watch it, I was thinking in my head, how can this movie set in the early 1900s, uh, basically on isolated Irish uh, fishing island, I suppose, about these two really old dudes, and all they're doing is arguing how could that turn out to be one of like the freshest and most interesting movies of 2022? Well, somehow it managed. And I'd have to say Colin Farrell has a lot to do um, with that, as he's appeared three different movies on my favorites of 2022 list. And can't take anything away from Brandon Gleason, who's also really awesome in this show, or this movie, rather. Basic plotline, uh, Colin Farrell's character, um, just kind of a regular Irish dude. Um, goes to the bar one day or the pub and Brendan Gleeson's character basically out of nowhere says hey I don't want to be friends anymore let's not talk let's not interact and then what happens from there is a pretty wild ride throughout the movie 
and for one it goes into some really odd and dark places so um for me i would classify this as a dark comedy and there have definitely been a couple of those on my list this year um, so if you like that kind of humor then definitely consider checking this out it's got you know that great like period music uh, from irish or ireland rather it's got a great setting the island that they actually they actually built the set because um, it wasn't a real place it is a beautiful island and that you know makes the film even better looking at these beautiful locations uh, great casting really good screenplay i enjoy banshees of insurance a whole bunch a lot more than I expected to, and maybe uh, one of my most surprising movies of the year. And the good thing is, if you subscribe to HBO, it's available for you to watch right now on HBO. Number eight, Triangle of Sadness. So this one actually slightly edges out uh, Banshee's of Insurance for my favorite dark comedy of the year. And Triangle of Sadness is anchored by a superb Woody Harrelson performance, who is this wild captain of what eventually is going to turn out to be a doomed vessel. Um, this is one of several Eat the Rich movies in 2022, in like White Lotus and uh, The Menu included. And this one's probably the best of all three, but maybe I liked White Lotus better. But we're doing movies right now, so Triangle Sadness. Um, it's from a foreign director, his first um, English-speaking movie, and most of the characters or the actors, other than Woody Harrelson, I maybe recognized from here and there in movies, but uh, at least for me, it was kind of a cast of unknown uh, performers. And it really breaks down conveniently into three acts. The first act is these rich people setting sail on a luxury yacht, which is kind of like what happens on that uh, Bravo show, um, things called Down Under, or Below Deck, there we go. So that's the first third, then something crazy happens, and the second third of the movie is dealing um, with this crazy thing, and the last third of the movie is a totally different movie unto itself, um, as they are shipwrecked on an island. Really, really funny, um, again, very dark comedy, maybe not as dark as Banshees of Insurin. Um, this one was a little bit broader and more of a parody, but nevertheless, uh, a really funny comedy. And you don't get too many uh, movie comedies anymore. Most of the time now, if it's good comedy, it's going to be something streaming on television. So uh, support, support um, true comedies uh, that are released as movies. So that's Triangle of Sadness. And right now, I'm not sure if it's streaming on any of the uh, quote-unquote free streamers at the moment. I might have to look that up and uh, tell you in the next segment. Then, I do know where this one came from. Uh, it's Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. And I know where it came from because it got buried on the Roku channel. So, don't ask me who in the world actually has the Roku channel. Personally, I have a couple of different streamers and I'm paying a lot of money. So, when you kind of see things that you really want to see buried on yet another streamer. It's a little bit frustrating, but this movie is worth seeking out, uh, worth paying a little extra if you have to, um, because we have a great, great Naked Gun airplane style, like uh, parody comedy, and um, it, it's really, really funny, and I have to say it's the best uh, music biopic since... Uh, Walk Hard, 
um, if, if you recognize that one. And it is almost a direct sequel um, to Weird Al's great classic 80s movies, UHF. So um, here's the basic story. Starts out, looks like it's going to be a regular biopic about Weird Al. Then it kind of shifts gears a little bit and it starts to be, okay, well this is going to be like a parody of a biopic about Weird Al. Then from there it goes full parody of everything, especially things that were in the 80s, the, the actors and, and stories and different things that were going on in that time period. And it basically makes fun of everything, not just Weird Al, uh, just 80s in general. Uh, great performance in this one too, and you know, you've heard that a lot, and that not surprising in a top 12 uh, movie review of the year. You're going to find a lot of great performances. One of my favorites, though, was uh, Daniel Radcliffe, best known as Harry Potter, right? Um, it's gone on to do some really interesting stuff, and he is fantastic as Weird Al Yankovic. So, uh, again, this is very much in the tradition of, like, Naked Gun, Airplane, um, type of abs absurd comedy, and just basically, you know, a joke every 30 seconds, you know, rapid fire, and I really enjoyed it. I remember reading a comment earlier this week from someone who said, well, it got it turned into too much of a parody. What I really wanted was a Weird Al biopic. Well, you should have known if Weird Al's somehow participating uh, in his biopic that it's going to not be a regular biopic. So uh, there you go. Called up with numbers 9, 8, 7, which leaves my top six coming up here after the next uh, uh, music set. And leading off this music set, um, Triangle of Sadness had some really good songs on the soundtrack. This is one of them. It's from uh, the modeling show when people are walking down the runway. Um, it's from a group, I believe, it's named Isle, and it's called Thank You, and you're going to hear the Isle Disco Bias remix edit of that. Um, so enjoy. Hola 
all these things that we took for granted. We've lost dancing. Dance, 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 dance,
will be marvelous.
right, that is the unmistakable voice of Weird Al Yankovic. The song is Now You Know, which he wrote um, for his biopic, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's over the closing credits, and uh, it's actually a really funny song if you listen to the lyrics. Um, as we are doing a top movies of the year of 2022 countdown here on my friend's place in WGOTLP Gainesville, and it just so happens that uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story was number seven on my list and one of my favorite comedies of the year. In fact, every song that you heard in that last block uh, came from movies off of my list. Um, the first three came from Triangle of Sadness, my number eight movie, and you heard uh, songs from Isle. Thank you, the Isle Disco Bias remix added. Then another song from that movie, Fred Again, featuring the Blessed Madonna with Maria, We've Lost Dancing, and then you heard uh, M.I.A. with Born Free, which kind of makes sense um, for the theme of Triangle of Sadness if you haven't had a chance to check it out. And then, like I said a second ago, then you heard from uh, the Weird Al Yankovic movie, Now You Know, and an all uh, top 12 movie song countdown there. Anyway, we got six more movies to go and not a whole lot of time, so let's jump right back into it. And number six, uh, maybe my surprise movie of the year, it is called Confess, colon, Fletch. And yes, a Fletch movie came out in 2022. Unfortunately, many, if not almost everyone, did not know that this movie came out. Well, how can this be? Well, basically, um, it got buried on Showtime. And how did that happen? Why didn't it get like a real release in the movie theaters? Well, for whatever reason, the higher-ups in uh, movie business, they didn't think that it was going to attract an audience. I strongly disagree with that because uh, Confess Fletch is absolutely one of the funniest movies. And you would think, well, um, who is playing Fletch? You definitely know it's not Chevy Chase. Well, they did an amazing job casting this actor because they actually found uh, the perfect person in 2022 to play Fletch, and that would be the great John Hamm. Now, I love Chevy Chase's uh, portrayal of Fletch in the 80s. In fact, it actually motivated me to read uh, the detective book series that the movie was loosely based on, and it turns out the movie and the books were, are not very much alike. This new Fletch movie is very much like how the books are written. and So it's not nearly like a slapstick and broad comedy. It's basically kind of a throwback to when you had all these great 1970s uh, detective comedy movies where you've got a really suave, wisecracking detective going out and solving a case, um, a real case like in a comedic way, traveling across the world in beautiful locations. And Confess Fletch has all of these things in there and more. It is really sad that this movie did not get a proper uh, release. And like I said, it got buried on Showtime. Another movie on my honorable mention uh, about Yang, they both somehow wound up on Showtime without much of a release. And like I say, John Hamm was absolutely born to play Fletch. And this is just a very fun, light... <laughs> so, so many movies now are heavy and dark. This has none of that. It's like I said, very much a 70s detective comedy throwback with, like I said, uh, great locations. And for me, it was the absolute biggest surprise and um, a word I like, delightful. It was the most delightful movie of 2022. Um, and one of the few things on my list 
besides maybe weird, the Allegheny Vic story that aren't really like dark humor and dark comedy. So uh, that is still available on Showtime. Um, most people don't have Showtime, but what you can do, um, if you have some kind of cable service or uh, internet thingy, internet streamer like YouTube TV like I do, go get your uh, free week of um, Showtime and watch Fletch and also watch After Yang while you've got that week going. But anyway, let's move down to number five. And we definitely have a theme going in these last couple of movies. Number seven was the Weird Al Yankovic movie, which got buried on Roku. Number six was Confess Fletch, buried on Showtime. Now we have a movie that got buried on Hulu, and it is Prey. Except for this movie was kind of a breakout hit, even though it didn't have a theatrical release. Um, I think it might have something to do with the fact that people seem to actually have the Hulu streaming app. But I do have to say, 20th Century, who were the producers or the uh, film company, they really kind of gave away probably $100 million, at least, in, in ticket sales. So what is Prey? Prey is actually a prequel to the Predator movies. And let's be honest, I don't know exactly how many Predator movies there are, four or five, if you count like the Alien versus the Predator, whatever they are, the crossovers. Uh, let's be honest, there's one good Predator movie, and that's the very first one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body Ventura. Since then, they've all pretty much stunk. Well, Prey is, at least in my opinion, almost as good as the original movie. So what's it about? We're going to go back, you know, a few hundred years ago. Um, about 150, I would say. I'm not exactly an expert on that time period, but it goes back... Predator, um, we don't know this yet, but they're out in the middle, Native Americans in Canada, um, their tribes, they're out hunting, weird stuff starts to happen, so what it basically sets up is um, people that don't have any type of advanced weaponry, so, you know, slingshots, bows and arrows, you know, those type of things that um, America, or, excuse me, Native Americans in Canada would have been fighting with, you know, a couple hundred years ago. They have to take on the Predator, who's, you know, got the most advanced technology um, in the universe, I suppose. And how are they able to defeat him? Well, the movie is really clever in the weapons and the traps that they come up with. And it's just a really fun movie. Um, it is R-rated, so it's got a little bit of gore, definitely some, some violence in it. But it's, you know, really, really, really for an R-rated movie, that's... Like I said, got that level of violence. It's really fun. And one thing that Prey established is something that I knew a couple of years ago. Because I watched uh, the TV show Legion about um, superhero X-Men story that not a lot of people saw that was on FX. Um, well, it had, a per, uh, I guess, she would have been um, around 20-something, I would think. Um, Amber Midthunder. She was one of the stars of that and it was immediately, it was immediate, at least to me, watching her in Legion, that she was going to go on to be a star because she's great and a pretty small role on that television show. And she absolutely, seeing her in this movie Prey as, a, uh, as the person taking on Predator with, you know, like I said, bow and arrow type weapons, she is definitely the star of the movie and someone that you're going to be hearing a lot about moving on from uh, 2022. And they actually did something really um, impressive. They actually dubbed it 
in the um, Native American language. So you can watch it either in English or you can watch it in the language that would have been spoken at the time, which I thought was kind of a nice, nice little touch. But anyway, um, really fun, really cool movie. That's Prey. You can find it right now on Hulu. You can get a chance to see it already. Which brings us to number four. And uh, I have a friend, and in his review, kind of joked around about how, as a young kid, um, the first, like, uh, Tim Burton Batmans. As watching those as a kid, it's like, wow, we finally got like a dark and gritty Batman. And the joke is, here we are, three decades later, and we're getting an even darker Batman about every decade. Because um, you had the Burton Batman that was really dark, especially compared to the Adam West Batman. Then you had the Christopher Nolan Batman come along, which was way darker than um, the Tim Burton. Now you have the Matt Reeves Batman, who is even much darker than the Christopher Nolan. Um, now, here is my take. One of the reasons why Batman was my, one of my favorite comics and is still one of my favorite heroes is this is the closest DC or Marvel comic book title that could actually occur in real life um, because there's no superpowers involved. Uh, when you boil it down to the basic, Batman is just an ultra-violent, like, dude who has a ton of money so he can afford these advanced training and these weapons who's basically a psychopath um, that likes to go out and beat the crap out of people. And that doesn't seem like that far-fetched from something that could happen in 2023. So I kind of appreciated that it wasn't Superman who had all these powers and you could only defeat him with like the silly green kryptonite rock. Batman was a dude that, you know, um, if he took a bullet, he could actually uh, be killed. Uh, so that always kind of the realism of that was one of the things that always attracted me to this, this comic book. And... This new movie called The Batman um, is actually, I would say, the most realistic of all the Bat movies, uh, even the Christopher Nolan ones by a wide margin. And personally, of all the comic book movies in the world, um, this is the one that it seems like there was a lot of thought and not a lot of like monster CGI, these big battle scenes. Um, it's basically a dude fighting like street thugs for the most part. Um, Robert Pattinson's the star of this, and also you've got Colin Farrell. This is the third movie in my uh, favorites of 2022 that he appears in. He plays Penguin, totally unrecognizable. You have Jeffrey Wright, who's also awesome. He's starring as um, Commissioner Gordon. And the Paul Dano Riddler is one of my favorite villains of all time because basically he's just like a crazy like serial killer can't fly, doesn't have any magic powers, uh, just a really, really uh, terrible person, to be honest with you. Um, so, put all those things together, and like I said, I like Batman because it's really dark, but it's also, eh, you know, somewhat believable, and with each iteration of Batman, I think they've made it more and more, like if this character was a real person, what it would be like. So, um, everything seemed to come together for Matt Reeves' Batman. I could probably flip this one around in my top four but i'll just leave it at number four and lucky for you if you haven't seen it i imagine you have if you wanted to see the movie 
You probably already have watched it. It is streaming on HBO if for some reason I've talked you into uh, watching it. But anyway, um, in this next music segment, I think we have all songs from uh, movies that are in my top 12 list and leading things off from the Confess Fletch soundtrack. You have Blue Works and Simav with Chilled Room on my friend's place.
Dostrom, Zip the Funk, and we'll talk in just one second about what movie uh, that appeared on the soundtrack this year in 2022, as it is my number one movie of the year. But before that, let's go over the songs you just heard in that really short music block as I'm really running out of time um, from the Confess Fletch soundtrack. Uh, first up, you have Blue Work, Simon with Chilled Room. Then, after that, from the Batman uh, my number four movie of the year. It was a lesson with Dart uh, from the club scenes in that movie. Then you heard one um, from my movie that I'm gonna talk about in a second. I almost gave it away. Uh, you had Joy Division with the atmosphere. And there you go. You are officially called up to all the music you've heard on my best movies of 2022 countdown. So uh, just a quick review as we're uh, getting close to the end. We are up to the top three. But before we uh, reveal the top three, let's do a quick recap. At number 12, you had Smile. Number 11 was Elvis. After that, at 10, you had Fire of Love. Uh, then at 9, it was Banshees of Insurance. 8, you had a Triangle of Sadness. Uh, then it was uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story at number 7. After that, you had uh, Confess Fletch. You just heard a song from that soundtrack a second ago at number 6. Uh, then it was uh, the Predator sequel, Prey, at number five. And then another uh, movie that you just heard a song from a minute ago. It was uh, The Batman at number four. And now for the top three. And at number three, uh, it is a movie called Bones and All. And truthfully, uh, this could easily be my first or second movie of the year because... I know, it's all kind of a little bit subjective here. Uh, but what is Bones and All? Or, excuse me, yeah, Bones and All. Let me try it again. Uh, Bones and All is a cross-country road trip about cannibals. Yes, cannibals. Uh, so what you have here in Bones and All is a cannibal love story, and it is a really interesting blend um, of different genres. You've got horror... You've got romance in this whole, like, coming-of-age story. Uh, Bones and All stars uh, Timothy Chalamet, who's 
seems to be on a roll picking uh, great movies. And also Taylor Russell, a little bit of an unknown. Uh, but anyway, they are Young Cannibals in Love. And uh, this movie is directed by Luca Guardini, who is you know, definitely best known for directing these uh, coming-of-age and young lover stories. And I gotta say, Bones and All does actually fall in that category. But, and here's a big but, it also has this really weird, like, freaky horror element running uh, throughout the entire movie. And the tone, in fact, reminds me of one of my favorite movies for a couple of years ago, which was a sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep, uh, which happens to be an adaptation of a Stephen King no novel. Now, if you take the Dr. Sleep movie and another Stephen King movie that was an adaptation, actually of a short story called Stand By Me, you mix them together in a blender, pull it apart, and then you pretty much have bones and all. Um, another thing that was really wonderful about Bones and All is it has, number one, a tremendous, like, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor uh, movie score. But then, on top of that, you have songs from other artists mixed together uh, from the 80s because this movie takes place in the 80s. So you have some really uh, wonderful alternative classics in the movie as it is set in the 1980s. And you heard... Uh, one of those songs featured on the soundtrack, Joy Division with Atmosphere. And, spoiler alert, you may hear one more at the very end of the show for the uh, closer. Let's move on to number two. Uh, number two on my list this year is Tar. Uh, and Tar stars Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tar. you figure. Um, she's a conductor of the Berlin Symphony in this movie. And she's, at that point, on top of the orchestral um, world, but guess what? Uh, Lydia Tarr is about to get Me Too'd, and would, that makes like a really kind of interesting twist because normally when you have a Me Too story, for good reasons, um, it's almost always about a powerful man. Uh, so Tarr kind of takes that um, uh, movie trope and uh, twists it around a little bit. And uh, basically, it's the story of uh, Lydia Tarr's downfall as her life quickly, and I mean very quickly, unravels, uh, leading to one of the best um, surprise endings in all of 2022, and one of the darkest endings of any movie that I really, really love. Um, it almost took me back to Requiem Port Dream. Not quite that dark and graphic, but almost that devastating. So, um, on top of that, you have Kate Blanchett playing Lydia Tarr, and she is definitely the favorite for uh, the Oscar for uh, women actors. Um, but also, i got to really compliment all the supporting actors because they're both really well-written, and each one of the actors uh, did a great job uh, playing their characters. So, let's go up to number one. Now, at number one, you just heard a song from its soundtrack, uh, Sam Dahlstrom, Zip the Funk, and the song, or excuse me, the movie is Emily the Criminal. Now, let's get one thing straight right at the beginning. Emily the Criminal may not actually be the best movie of the year, and I'll say that out loud, but it doesn't matter because it is my favorite movie of the year. 
<laughs> Even the criminal stars Aubrey Plaza is kind of a kind of a down on her luck. Like I don't know, is she millennial? Is she Gen Z? I, I'm not exactly sure, but either way, she's looking for a regular job. By regular job, I mean like a nine to five with maybe some health benefits. And she can't seem to find that job because of her uh, criminal past. She uh, committed a crime a couple of years ago, some kind of assault, um, which basically relegates her to being stuck uh, working for a low-wage job in the food service industry. While working there, uh, one day she is presented with a shady offer uh, to make some really quick cash. And then from there, things get really crazy uh, from that point. And uh, she's already Emily the criminal, but then she goes further down um, that criminal rabbit hole um, throughout the rest of the movie. Um, I've got to say, out of all the movies on my top 12 list, this one probably had the best written screenplay of the year. Um, it's really a simple screenplay with only a couple of characters to follow. And I totally appreciated the fact that I didn't need to do like any homework. Um, to be able to enjoy this movie, and um, truthfully, uh, I'll watch pretty much anything with Aubrey Plaza in it. She's one of my favorite actresses, and she's been one of my favorite actresses for a long time. And of course, she also had a huge role in uh, another really popular uh, streaming TV series this year, White Lotus. So, um, on top of that, you know, besides just being a great actress, great screenplay, great music. Um, Aubrey Plaza also has great chemistry. Uh, she's a love interest in this movie, played by Yusuf uh, Haddad. Um, so there you go. Emily, Emily the criminal, um, has everything that I pretty much like in a movie. A really short runtime, something I appreciate. Only 95 minutes. So basically, you can watch this movie in an hour and a half, which is on Netflix right now, by the way. Um, it has a really streamlined story. Really small cast. Cool music. Cinematography, uh, and like I said, a story that is a pretty simple throwback um, to like the 70s. I mentioned that earlier with um, Confess Fletch, where things were just simpler. And you know, I like a twist movie, but I don't need 25 twists in a movie. Um, there's also no CGI that I recognize in Emily the Criminal. Um, has some comedy, a couple cool uh, chase scenes, and best of all. By far, I mean, I, I preached um, how much I love Emily the Criminal, but here we go. The best of all is the ending, which in my opinion is the hardest thing to do in movies at all. And it's probably the reason why my two favorite movies are Tar, which has an amazing ending, and Emily the Criminal, which has my favorite ending and they are one and two on my list, so there you go. I will uh, post my top 12 and my alternates um, sometime at the uh, WGOT Facebook page, but we've got one more closing track, and it's very appropriate. Uh, this one's actually from my number two movie, Bones and All, but it is one of the best closing tracks of all time. If you've ever been uh, out to a real club, I've heard this one close a club down at least three different times it's wonderful from the 80s it's duran duran save a prayer thank you i'll be back next week maybe a regular show and not a special 
Anyway, appreciate you listening. I'm out of here.